All right. So um, since I forgot to do this for my last episode, uh, let me just introduce myself. I am your host, Chad Denton, and this is Trash Cannon. For today's episode, we're talking about Ice Cream Man, which I guess fits with the theme of the theme of Thanksgiving because it's food. I guess. Anyway. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I am delighted to have my guest, um, a fellow B-movie podcaster, Chris Dobson. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm so glad to have a, have a crossover event. Yeah, Chris is the co-host of Your Stupid Minds. Yep, we've got uh, over 150 episodes. We've been going for a long time. Yes, and I, I have been a fan for quite some time. And uh, yeah, so so two two um, obscure horror, <laughs> two obscure B movie podcasters are coming at you with the perhaps the greatest film in Clint Howard oeuvre. Yeah, and our, our podcast. I, I think we've done two Clint Howard movies uh, in the past, maybe three. Uh, because we did uh, House of the Dead and The Grinch. I know we've done at least two. Uh, I see, yeah, I saw I saw your House of the Dead episode. I always forget that he was in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there might be a third one. I, I can't remember. He's in a lot of crap. And also Ron Howard's films. Yes. Yes. Well, I guess the first question that comes to mind is with Ice Cream Man is, have you ever heard the term hard pack used to describe ice cream before you saw this movie? No, (laughs) I have not. My, I'd like to buy a gallon of your uh, hard pack. Do you deliver? No. Is that a real industry term? I'm like, I'm not an ice cream expert. Well, yeah, because I was wondering if it was just uh, a term invented for the movie so that they could um, have that pun with Andrea Evans, where she says, "Ooh, I, I would like a hard pack, please. <laughs> Or if it's like an actual thing, because I, I couldn't even tell what it was. At first, I thought it was like a term for, you know, like popsicles or something. But he gives them a waffle cone. So, yeah. I, was it an, was it a particular kind of ice cream? I have no idea what she was talking about. Yeah. Well, the term yeah, the term comes up again in a, a few times later. So <laughs> I. I don't know uh, if if anybody can help us solve this mystery, please contact us. <laughs> the mystery of hard packs. And, it, you know, uh, your brain does get routed by watching so many of these movies. Uh, I watched Kid Cop on Amazon Prime this year for our show, and they they want to use the term push-ups, but I guess that's trademarked, so they keep using the term slide-ups in that movie. And you're like, what, what are you talking about? Like, nobody's ever called this ice cream a slide-up. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's a similar thing. I don't know. Maybe Waffle Cone is trademarked. Given the quality of the movie, um, I suspect <laughs> they just invented the term hard pack for that joke. Yeah. So in case you all don't know, Ice Cream Man is a film from 1995, mostly known for starring Clint Howard uh, and also... Uh, the son of Lee Majors <laughs> is in it. Um, it's his last movie ever. And if you see it, you'll understand why. Particular note to me is that, uh, as I mentioned, Andrea Evans is in the movie, who you may or may not know, or, or who you may or may not admit you know, played mm-hmm. Tina Ward on One Life to Live. So, mm-hmm. so she's my girl. <laughs> and also... Um, Airwolf star John Michael Vincent is <laughs> technically in the movie. Biologically, he's in the movie, but um, like on a on a profound metaphysical level, he's also not in 
in the movie. He's one of the detectives, right? Yeah. <laughs> the one who uh, just basically walks around and uh, glowers at everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this movie, and we'll talk about it, I, I guess, more in depth, but it, it's kind of a... I feel like somebody as crazy as me casted this movie <laughs> because it's just like Sondal Bergman is in it for like 30 seconds. And I'm like, why? Like, why yeah. would you cast? And uh, Olivia Hussey, who was in um, uh, the Romeo and Juliet from the 60s and uh, Black Christmas is also like a major character as the nurse that like takes care of Clint Howard's character. So it's just like all of these very, you know, like cult people who you're like, Oh, I sort of know who that is. And they're just throughout the movie for no real reason. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you brought up, um, uh, Olivia Hussey because, uh, and, and I should mention, you might also know her from Stephen King's it, but I, Oh, that's true. I want to note this because for a long time I got her confused with the actress who plays Beverly. But she doesn't play Beverly. She plays the uh, love interest of... um, Sorry, I'm blanking here. uh, Bill. Bill. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the casting because it's really funny that... I, I actually looked it up. She's she was in her mid forties when she performed in this movie, uh, and I have to say that she looks like at least ten years younger than that. Um, so, so good for you, Olivia. Yeah, they gave her glasses and like tried to make her be this like uh, senile old lady, and it's like you're not fooling anyone. Yeah, exactly. Like her character, she plays the character like it's someone who's. At least in her seventies, <laughs> or, or or even sixties, but but she looks young. She, I mean, she was wearing these old lady glasses throughout, but it's it still it it, they, it was like they just didn't bother getting an old woman into <laughs> into the movie. Um, and also, like uh, one of the kids who who will introduce later, Tuna. Um, and yeah, his name really is Tuna. Like even his mother calls him that, even though I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a nickname. <laughs> but they didn't bother getting a fat kid, so they just I, they just put him in, I guess, a fat suit, or he has like cushions strapped to his stomach or something. Yeah, I, it wasn't clear to me what was going on with him because he did not look regularly fat. Like, it was very it was very strange um, because it was all it, it would make sense if it was like padding. I thought he was just wearing a lot of shirts. Like, yeah. It was just confusing. I was like, that kid's not fat. Why are they all making fun of him for being a fat kid? Yeah, it's so weird, and and it probably a lot of the movie's casting problems. Uh, I, sh- I I should clarify this movie was made by Paul Norman, and it's the only non pornographic film he ever made. Yeah, that's why it was so strange to me. I was like, <laughs> why did he do this? Yeah, and he actually got. Oh, yeah, and of course we forgot David Warner. <laughs> yeah. David Warner for like two scenes. I don't know why. That add nothing to the plot. Um, so I don't know if he just had like a lot of friends around Hollywood. This is the cheapest way to to make things interesting, but I've got to read just a few <laughs> uh, titles off of his uh, IMDb page. So my favorite is The Erotic Adventures of the Three Musketeers. Uh, uh-huh. Sexual Olympics and Young and Anal. <laughs> I like I like uh, intercourse with a vampire. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah, also um, Bitches in Heat Part One: Locked in the Basement. <laughs> Yeah, and he, like, as much as he has these sort of, like, minor, like, B actors, uh, you know, people from Airwolf and uh, the It miniseries, he also has a couple of just porn actresses for no real reason. 
Yeah, yeah. If if this movie sounds interesting to you folks at home at all, you've got to track down. I think it's on YouTube. I'm not 100% sure, but um, the interview that uh, Joe Bob Briggs get, had with Clint Howard, where he talks about like how all the extras were porn actors and <laughs> all the minor characters were played by by people from the industry, as Clint Howard puts it. Yeah, I mean, there's like this. This is a movie with some tone issues, but none come to the forefront more when there's like photographs of somebody like, you know, uh, having what looks like a pretty serious sex scene. And I think you see boobs and it's like, what is this doing in this bizarre horror movie that all of a sudden there's like, oh, uh, this porn actress is is naked in it. Well, uh, yeah, speaking of the movie's issues with tone, I, I guess we should uh, run through the plot, such yes. as it is. So it opens up with, like, an idyllic 1950s suburb. A ice cream man is gunned down. They never <laughs> explain why. Um, I guess the implication is, is that it was like he was just caught in the crossfire, but... The ice cream man is gunned down and uh, we see Clint Howard as a little boy covered with blood and traumatized by the incident and just asks his mom, uh, who will bring the ice cream? And we find out later that he has become an ice cream man who uh, specializes in... I don't even know how to describe it. Just basically that he has... um, human body parts such as eyeballs and his ice cream and <laughs> cockroaches and everything, but nobody seems to notice. Yeah. And also he's like, he ha- has speaks in a very strange voice uh, and is very like affected. So like the, the fact that the police talk to him in the first 10 minutes and are like, well, you're free to go is very strange because you're like, well, you're obviously insane. So <laughs> We're going to talk to you some more and, and just find out what's going on. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a that's another fun detail from the interview is that uh, Ron Howard would, while driving to the set, he would actually scream himself hoarse in his car just to give himself that gravelly voice of his that he has in the movie. So, so I mean, he was taking it seriously. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's a choice. Uh, so yeah, he is an ice cream man. I don't know what his plan is to. Ju- I guess he's just going to sell ice cream with human remains and bugs and things <laughs> in them. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like nothing because we throughout the movie we constantly get flashbacks to his childhood, which was spent after the ice cream man was gunned down in an insane asylum. And it was like an insane asylum that had a philosophy of suppressing your emotions and acting like every day is a happy day. And, you know, that theme just gets hammered into the audience, but nothing he actually does kind of matches that psychosis, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's implied at least that he's had a lobotomy, but it, yeah, it's not really clear whether he really did or whether he just has like nightmares about it. So I don't know. Yeah. Cause yeah, nothing he does make sense, especially with, uh, well, we'll, we'll get to Andrea Evans. Role, but first we have, I think we should talk about the fact that the movie kind of doesn't really have a protagonist unless the ice cream man is the protagonist. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's like, what, three or four uh, basically replaceable children. Uh, the girl, the fat guy, um, the blonde boy, and the dark-haired boy. Yeah, I, I can only remember the name of Small Paul, but uh, yeah, well, and Tuna. Right, and he's not even one of the four I just mentioned. He's the fifth one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because he is not, they have like a special gang that these like elementary school kids or middle school kids or whatever they are, are all in called the Rocketeers, right? Right. Because they all love that uh, 
Joe Johnson, uh, 1991 film. Um, so that's, that's their, they have little rockets on their bicycles and they get little rocket, uh, popsicles. Um, and they don't let the small Paul join because I don't know, I guess he's not good enough. Yeah. He just kind of hangs out with them and he, He's reading an obviously fake book about the Pied Piper at the beginning, but <laughs> the theme doesn't really have anything to do with the movie, except, I guess, maybe because the Ice Cream Man targets children. Yeah, the movie really seems to think it does. <laughs> <laughs> because Glenn Howard, like, they're talking about, uh, like, oh, then the Pied Piper killed all the rats, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, and then he took all the children away because the parents wouldn't pay. It's like, what are you talking about? Oh, no, but that wasn't Clint Howard. It was like this random guy. You're right. It was the like park guy who then (laughs) is killed immediately after that. Um, Oh, no, he isn't killed. He just disappears from the movie. No, he's I'm sure he's killed off screen. Is he? I'm pretty sure because people are looking for him. And I think at least oh, one, of, right. yeah. one of the corpses we see is his. That's right. That's right. He is. Uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, they because they introduce when he shows when he first shows up, they play menacing music when he appears. And it's strongly implied that he's going to abduct and rape one of the children. <laughs> Uh, I guess, fortunately, that does not happen. Uh, You know, uh, Clint Howard saves the day and murders that guy, I guess. (laughs) Well, yeah, but that I mean, that's the thing. It's like none of Clint Howard's motives never make sense. Yeah, because like, okay, so the we don't see that murder, but we do see he's like uh, in an alley and small Paul like comes upon him. And is like, oh, like, uh, do you want some ice cream, kid? And he gives him some and he's like, oh, you know, I used to be different, too. Uh, they like bond over being, uh, I guess, weirdos who had illnesses as children. Um, and then Small Paul sees like, oh, he's got a bunch of bloody weapons in his truck. So then you think he's going to kill this child, but he doesn't. He's like grooming him to like become his you know, bat Robin to his Batman or something. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, small Paul becomes the basically gets the Patty Hearst treatment. Which to me was actually the part of the movie that I really liked, actually. If I was at least kind of original because well no, I mean you could call the whole movie original, but just original in that you don't really kind of see that kind of storyline where you know a the the slasher villain takes on a protege you know right and it's not really clear that that's what he's doing and since all you've seen him do is be like super menacing and have like eyeballs in his ice cream you're like, <laughs> well, well he's just gonna murder this you know uh 10 year old who by the way is dressed in like the most early nineties outfit. He's wearing like a purple and yellow long sleeve shirt. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. I, and I also love that um, Tuna's mom had still had the shoulder pads, eighties, early nineties shoulder pads to the point where like she's walking around in a grocery store. Well, I should have grocery store in quotation marks. Cause it, <laughs> was probably the fakest grocery store I've seen in a movie. Um, but she looks like she takes up the owls with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is definitely like this movie released in 1995. It definitely feels like something they filmed in like 1991 or two, because <laughs> there's a lot of like, nobody has the like pink, uh, like short shorts, but like, that's the only thing from the like, Oh, this is the nineties. Uh, you know, I didn't see I oh well, I guess we did see tie dye shirts. Uh we didn't see that many like the pink and purple, like neon looking shirts. But yeah, it was it it was a time capsule for me of being like, Oh, I own that shirt. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh oh, and I completely skipped over our second group of protagonists who 
don't really affect the plot at all, but <laughs> um but I don't know. They were they were kind of an interesting part of the movie for me, but the two cops, uh played by Lee Majors the <laughs> second and John Michael Vincent. Um I, I don't know if it was bad writing or a deliberate joke, but like from the very beginning, they're depicted in the worst way possible. <laughs> like, um, like so, Lee, Lee Majors the second is kind of set up to be like the dashing, handsome cop, but one of the first things he does is is um, offer an ice cream cone to this woman who's missing her child because <laughs> ice cream man also kidnapped him. <laughs> yeah it's it's very strange yeah and then they have that conversation with the ice cream man where i feel like in real life they would be like uh we're gonna have to get a warrant and come back here ice cream man in like 30 minutes <laughs> because you are being like beyond a reasonable level of creepy and that's also when he serves one of the cops an eyeball <laughs> yeah nobody ever I guess we're supposed to think that people think the ice cream is good because they never say anything and they seem to enjoy it. And they never, uh, uh, you know, say, oh, this ice cream tastes kind of meaty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is, you know, this is a Baskin and Robbins world. So just having any kind of mix in like a Cold Stone style, you know, thing, even if it's bugs and, you know, human <laughs> remains, you're like, oh, that's good. That's true. So, yeah, it's uh, the, and then there's also uh, what's that? The, the older brother uh, who's he's been in some stuff, but he's like wants to be a police officer. And so he is also sort of a protagonist, but not really. Yeah, he's he's set up as as kind of an asshole because because, you know, he just. He he acts less mature than his brother, who's ten. <laughs> um, just berating him over the fact that he's friends with a kid named Tuna, and he just doesn't let it go. And it is the kind of humor I hate, where you give a character a stupid name and then have another character for like thirty seconds of script to just be like, "What a stupid name you have! Well, how can anyone have a name that stupid?" It's like, yeah, we all agree, and like you you wrote it, so. Like why you you can make like one quick joke about it, but to just go on and on, be like his name is Tuna. Like what kind of name is that? Who 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 names their child Tuna? I'm like yes, it's stupid. Yeah, yeah the yeah the Blue Lives Matter crowd really need to go after this movie, especially because of one scene. <laughs> and I think you know what the scene I'm talking about. But uh, but before I get there, uh, yeah, we should mentioned that ice cream man kidnaps another kid but doesn't try to turn him into a protege he gets away and again it's like what what is he trying to accomplish i guess he was just trying to scare that kid because he was rude to him for a minute yeah i don't i don't know what his goal was was he gonna kill that kid or not i don't know yeah he he never kills any kids which again is like a big flaw in this movie (laughs) they keep teasing you with it but like damn it i just want to see some child murder and then doesn't deliver yeah it's deep it's deeply strange because it it's directed like a you know sub home alone or like beethoven type movie where all the adults are like imbeciles and children are you know smart uh capable people uh, which is the opposite of real life, where children are morons. <laughs> exactly. But uh, but then it has this like gross out horror that like you know you can't just show this movie to like nine year olds. It has a lot of genuinely upsetting stuff in it. I mean, I don't know. I couldn't verify this, but I kind of feel like this movie might have been trying to rip off uh, it. Maybe that's why Olivia Hussey's in it. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. it, it did remind me of it with the like kids riding around on bikes and everything and the sort of uh, losers club type, you know, kid gang. Um, so, yeah, it, I feel like it does try to make you think about better things than it. Uh, but yeah, so 
then what even happens next in this movie? Because I feel like the plot just kind of glazed over uh, me for a while where I was like, uh, what's going on? Who's that? Why is this lady flirting with the ice cream man? Well, we should probably get out of the way the what what makes the one girl in the group a loser. Uh, She has her her father um, played by. Oh, God, I really shouldn't be blanking on his name right now uh uh warner right yeah yeah david warner man how could i forget him he's in everything i watch (laughs) (laughs) um i I was just thinking rachel ghoul from batman the animated series oh yeah uh yeah he's introduced as a girl's father and he's a reverend and the girl's mother speaks in tongues and they have like this huge scene where it's clear that the girl finds this very upsetting about her parents, but she doesn't. It never becomes a subplot. It's never brought up again, which, which I think kind of supports your losers club theory that, you know, they wanted to show that everybody had like these problems, like Tuna's parents, their marriage is falling apart because the dad who was the star of American Werewolf in London, <laughs> falling on very hard times, <laughs> um, is having an affair with Andrea Evans and, you know, all, all this stuff. But it doesn't really, it's never really made into any kind of plot or really gives the kids any kind of character arc like in it. You know, it's just, hey, these kids have screwed up parents (laughs) yeah and it's it's very clumsy in the way like it doesn't connect the kids to any like the kids don't have these scenes it's just scenes of like the you know being like oh you were you know with this other woman and he's like no i just work all the time you know it's like the tuna doesn't really have anything to do with this scene (laughs) (laughs) yeah because they just kind of show up at his dad's office and they don't do anything except talk to him while he's on the phone with Andrea Evans. Right. And then they leave and it's like, oh, okay, I guess uh, I, I guess I was just to establish that the dad's sleeping with Andrea, even though that whole plot is resolved in two scenes. Yeah. Um, and, and she, I mean, I guess she's just a homewrecker because she sees uh, the ice cream man and like flirts with him again, even though he looks like Clint Howard. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean Audrey Evans is a is a very attractive woman. When you just see her with him, it's it's like, oh yeah, because she's a slut, I guess. She'll just sleep with anybody, even a physically unattractive ice cream man who acts weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's very strange that she's like, oh, like, do you have the whatever hard? Yeah, Yeah, it's just like, why? First of all, like, what are you doing, lady? Like, I've never seen uh, like she's wearing this like, you know, she's not dressed like a mom at all. Uh, she's just showing up uh, to buy ice cream from the, uh, an ice cream truck. Like I've never seen, you know, like I, I have seen adults with their kid buy ice cream, but I've never seen just an adult be like, oh, one ice cream, please. Oh, she breaks in line too. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, I don't have children. I'm just here for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ice cream bar. Yeah, I think she's in a dressing gown or something. Yeah, exactly. Where you're like, what? Why are you dressed like this? Where are your children if you're ordering ice cream from a truck? Uh, and of course, she is She is murdered uh, for, I guess, because she gave the ice cream man her address. I, I don't, again, this goes back to what the hell is Clint Howard's motivation? Because he just, he, so he knows that the, he sees the dad decapitates him, puts his head on a giant waffle cone, which honestly is kind of the best scene in the movie. Yeah, it's he, pretty funny. <laughs> he goes in while Andre, Andrea Evans' back is turned, and uh, she turns around and starts screaming, and he tries to shush her. And when that doesn't work, he then he kills her. So I don't know if he was trying to... If he thought 
she would like being given the decapitated <laughs> head of her lover or or what was going on i i i don't know yeah and and again like you know this is a porn director shooting it so i guess it makes sense but like she's about to like slip out of her robe and then she knows the ice cream man is there because she's like oh we'll have to trade recipes it's like what are you talking about there's a strange man in your house like even if you don't know he's murdered the guy you're having an affair with why are you so like oh i'm up for whatever Right. And I mean, if the ice cream man's motive is to make sure everybody's happy and like he somehow finds out that the dad's having this affair and it kind of messes with his sense of everyone needs to be happy, you know, and he he kills them to punish them. Like that would make sense. But none of this is made clear at all. (laughs) Like, as far as you know, he actually is going in to take Andrea Evans up on her offer of having sex with him. <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's it's very unclear. Uh, we don't get a lot. I mean, all we get is those flashbacks to, like, the, uh, the mental institution as sort of a hint about, like, what the hell is his motivation or problem. Uh, yeah. Because th- this movie... Uh, you know, it's it's a fun, silly movie, but its depiction of mental health is uh, maybe not the best. So yeah, we gotta get, we gotta get to that. But first, I, I do want to say that I think I think next to Clint Howard, Andrea Evans's performance is my favorite in the movie. I mean, I I don't say that because I don't say that just because I was a one life to live fan, and I'm still angry that it was canceled to make way for a crappy cooking show. (laughs) Not just because of that, but, but like Andrea Evans was given like this horrible sexist role where, you know, she just sleeps with everybody who even people who don't show her any interest, you know? And I I think she kind of just, I don't know. I, I just like the scene where she goes up there and the kids are, making fun of her and she just sort of gives like this condescending laugh and pats one of them on the head. (laughs) I just kind of like that scene. I kind of feel feel like she not exactly transcended the one dimensional role, but she kind of ran with it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to pick, you know, like your favorite uh, character actor who's in like 30 seconds of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, because there, there really aren't any, I mean, there's barely a plot, but, like, you think that, like, all these subplots are being introduced, but they just turn out to be one or two scenes long, you know? Yeah, like, we find out that the Reverend's wife, like, speaks in tongues and, like, there's something weird about them. But then when uh, his daughter is not home and the police are like, oh, you know, we heard from this boy that your your daughter is not home. Like, he checks on her, you know, at her bed and she's not there. And then he just lies to the police, and then he's not in the movie anymore. Yeah, yeah, and and the wife only shows up for that one scene. Yeah, it's just like, what, why, he's this, like, sinister, you know, he has this sort of sinister moment where, I mean, I guess partially because he's David Warner, so <laughs> I, just, I just assume he's, like, in on some sort of corrupt scheme, but then, like, he doesn't factor into any of the larger stuff at all. Well, and even when uh, Tuna's dad is murdered, there's no reaction to it at all. There's ne- and it's never even mentioned again. Uh, yeah, the, it's like, uh, well, dad's dead. <laughs> or 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 when the brother is killed later in the movie, there's no reaction to that either. Um, so I, I don't know if it's just really bad writing, or maybe we, maybe the movie's been cut and we need to have like hashtag release <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes I need the two and a half hour version of this the like hour they cut release the Norman cut the, three, the full three hour director's cut <laughs> ice cream man yeah, yeah. There, there would be scenes, you know, with David Warner explaining what he's doing. More scenes with Andrea Evans. Uh, probably more scenes with Olivia Hussey, like explaining what her, like, you know, how did she end up uh, crazy and in this town? 
because uh, that's never really explained uh, that she's like lost her mind, I guess. Another another uh, point for this movie depicting mental illness. Uh, but so, so basically the kids know what the ice cream man is up to. Uh, they confront him and Clint Howard gives one of my favorite lines. <laughs> you can't run from the ice cream man, <laughs> which is uh, a, a, a definite horror classic line. But Tuna and the ice cream man just happen to run into each other at the grocery store. Again, quotes around grocery store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, what did you think of the thrilling chase scene? <laughs> Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, the, and again, I didn't know what he wanted to do. And again, that was, I mean, it's so weird. That was, you know, Sandal Bergman, who was in like Red Sonja and Conan, uh, <laughs> playing this like shoulder padded, you know, uh, wife for like two scenes. <laughs> I don't really know why. So then, and, and also Hell Comes to Frogtown, who could forget? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, it was weird to see her, you know, playing like the mom, you know, uh, in this like love triangle. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a fun scene. And then when he like runs, you know, you see where it's going when like he runs into like the butcher shop area um, that he's going to be scared. But then we don't get a very scary moment. We just get the butcher kind of like saying something like you shouldn't be here or something like that. And then that's. It just cuts to the another, you know, C grade, like, oh, it's that guy um, as he's like, you know, you, you can understand, lady, you know, it was an honest mistake. Please don't sue us or, or, <laughs> or some joke like that. It's like, I don't know exactly. You know, they haven't shown that he's perfectly OK. He's just like freaked out, I guess. Yeah, I, I just like the idea that the uh, kid is in danger, even though it's a crowded grocery store. And um like, you know, what What can the ice cream man realistically do, you know? Um, yeah. And um, also, when he tries to elude the ice cream man by getting on the lower... Yeah, the shopping carts, like, little lowest level, um, where you put just yeah. pet food and, like, heavy crap. Yeah, like, nobody notices the fat kid getting wheeled around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, suddenly there's a hundred pounds more. Uh, like, suddenly my shopping cart's, like, veering to all sides the second I it starts rolling. <laughs> so, so, yeah, nobody notices that. It's also, like, it's a strangely crowded grocery store because it's very clearly just the set of, like, one, like, 25-foot-long room, mm-hmm. which is what we all know grocery stores look like. <laughs> Yeah, and it's all blue. There's, <laughs> there's no paneling at all. But oh yeah, but it did have one of my favorite scenes, and and I don't know if I should be ashamed of admitting this, but I actually laughed at it. Where <laughs> the ice cream man was in hot pursuit of tuna, and like this random woman asks him for his opinion on lipstick color. Spotted with cherry syrup. Cherry syrup, it is good. Looks good on you. Get a dozen. <laughs> yeah it does you know like it would be i feel like it would be a better joke if you didn't have whatever uh you know porn actress delivering the line <laughs> yeah but it's still pretty funny uh but yeah after so after that yeah we can we can talk about <laughs> we can talk i talk about the mental illness because i i there really isn't anything else to talk about except when the cops show up at the asylum because, like, the kids try to do stuff, but it's ineffective. The cops try to do stuff, but it's ineffective. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, but but the cops do. And, and this kind of goes along with, with... I mean, people might think I'm joking about, like, the, the movie having an anti-Blue Lives Matter message, but, <laughs> I mean, the cops are just depicted horribly when they... Tuna tells his mom what's going on and presumably the mom calls the cops and they show up at the ice cream man's play, um, I guess his, his lair. <laughs> That's the right. only way to describe it. And they just like wreck up the entire place <laughs> for no <Yeah>. reason. 
Which is so weird because they find nothing, but I guess they don't search his van, which at the very least would be full of like bugs and stuff and mice. And I feel like they would shut him down for that. But instead, they're just like, well, there's nothing in the one place we searched. And then like you find out that small Paul is like in the building they were searching. Right. And all they did was just like throw all of his um, cooking ingredients on the floor and like bashed his equipment around <laughs> for no reason. And when and when you hear all the bashing going on, you, you have Lee Major standing outside going, looks like we're missing all the fun. <laughs> like, what the hell is this? What the hell is this movie trying to say? Like, because it kind of made me think that that maybe like the ice cream man is supposed to be kind of the protagonist. Like it's supposed to be like a tragic anti-hero type thing. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I kind of thought that at some point when I saw that, like he wasn't killing small Paul, I was like, Oh, maybe he thinks he's helping them somehow. But then it's like, not really. Like he's still trying to kill them later. Um, he's just, uh, you know, a crazy, he's just, you know, kill crazy basically, but it manages to trick all those cops, uh, when they wreck up his, uh, you know, his, his ice cream lair and he like the one time he's semi-human and not just like, you know, creepily giving like, oh, I'm going to murder you later type lines is when they're like, sorry, sir. And he's like, oh, are you sorry uh, you didn't find anything? Or are you sorry you wrecked my uh, my business? Yeah. It's like that line is supposed to give you sympathy for him. And, you know, it's... And, and I mean, if, if we hadn't seen him kill uh, the nurse's dog earlier, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he has a... Um, and I was really hoping it would come back later in the movie because it is kind of a cool idea that he just like grabs a uh, um. No, I don't know the name now that you said the, the uh, push up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He he, <laughs> he has a push up with a blade hidden in it that he <laughs> uses to kill the dog. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, it's it's sad uh, that a dog gets killed for basically no reason. Uh, but yeah, then he's sympathetic with these cops, so it's all over the place. Uh, but yeah, so the the cops they find they're like, well, we don't know anything about this guy. Uh, we know this nurse used to work at this uh, insane asylum. And then for some reason, they decide uh, to go there. I guess they also find out that he had been released from that asylum. And so they go there, and the the warden or whatever is, you know, very strange and, and ominous in the way he's talking to them. Uh, you know, he's, he's confirming that no one, like everyone has happy days here. Uh, but then he basically reveals that he is completely crazy, that he's actually some kind of inmate who thinks he's a, uh, a doctor. And then a bunch of resident evil zombies <laughs> come out as the mentally ill. And, and I guess the implication is like everybody that worked there went crazy because we do see like one of the doctors from or or maybe it's just a um, attendant or something. But, but like we see one of them from the ice cream man's flashback strapped to the to a gurney. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, basically all the mentally ill people are just swarming on them like zombies and the asylum itself just has like all of these quote unquote dark images, like a skull and bones and a bat spray painted on the walls. Yeah, it's it's you know, it is bizarre to just have all this like dropped on you like an hour into the movie and all of a sudden there's this surreal scene where zombie-like people are uh, trying all sort of clawing at the detectives. And they're like, no one escapes the, what's it called again? I forget what the asylum's oh, called. Uh, wishing well. Yeah, no one escapes the wishing well. And then they just leave. <laughs> they're like, oh, okay, bye. <laughs> Well, that's what I that's what I kind of loved about it, because you could tell that Lee Majors was actually sorry, I should call him Lee Majors a second just for confusion, not the Lee Majors, the lesser Lee Majors. 
is like actually trying to do like action movie stuff. Like he punches a few of them and he actually looks scared at a few moments while um, Jen, John Vincent is just casually strolling <laughs> down the hallway, even though like all of these <laughs> mental patients are on top of him. <laughs> he just does not give a shit and it is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, although now, now the first time I saw it, I thought he actually shot some of them because you, when Lee Majors gets out, they, they show the, uh, corridors through the windows and like you see the flash of a gun um, the first time I saw it I was like oh my god he's actually shooting them but but I think he's firing I think he's supposed to be firing warning shots because you kind of see like sparks coming off the ceiling <sighs> so yeah. I think that's what you're supposed to see but but I could definitely see watching this movie and thinking that, holy shit, this guy is just, like, shooting these people. Right. Well, they're zombies, so what do you want to yeah, do? Basically zombies, yeah. But then, but then, but then it gets really obvious, because then, then he, after, after he fires the shots, then he just strolls casually outside, even though eight of the mental patients are <laughs> right behind him. And he just, like, occasionally turns around and and like points his gun at them, but then he turns around and then just like casually strolls toward the car again. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's so strange that you know they have this scene. They're like nobody can escape, and then they just escape. And <laughs> it doesn't seem like they're ever really in danger of not escaping. No, no, definitely not. Aside from like the few patients that Lee Majors punches, but I. They're, they're, I think they were just, like, getting in his way and not really attacking him. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they're, like, grabbing him or biting him or something. He's just punching people. But I, I just love the idea that this this mental asylum has become completely run down. The patients can just leave whenever they want. Because, I mean, you literally see them following the cops down to the parking lot and just... Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just like how I mean, who is restocking the cafeteria every week? Like, how is this still working? Man, those those uh, Reagan era budget cuts to mental health. They really do. <laughs> yeah. As far as I know, it might have been a commentary on that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it was a, a commentary on much of anything other than like, this will be a weird scene to, to include. <laughs> yeah, and it just drags on and on. But it's, I don't know, it's still kind of my favorite scene. I, I was gonna say it doesn't it didn't drag on for me because I was like, this is awesome. It's crazy that they introduced it an hour in because it's like the best part. <laughs> yeah, I could agree with that. But uh... Although I could see, I could see people kind of get tired of it because again, it's just them walking down the hallway while zombies are all around them for for what ten, fifteen minutes. Right. Yeah, but like you know, just walking past all this weird crap, and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like it's just very strange. So, uh, yeah, and you know, if the alternative is child acting, uh, I'd rather just have weird, uh, you know, British style horror in an abandoned asylum. You know, nine times out of ten. So yeah, then the, the the children. How do they? I guess they took photos of the ice cream man's uh, truck, so they know he has you know corpses in there. Is yeah. that is that how they figure him out? Yeah, they found the evidence, and they uh, for some reason they take it to the wannabe cop brother, and they all go to. I don't know, for some reason, they don't go to the actual cops, even though they have actual photo evidence, and they just go to the ice cream man's um, van, who, uh, I don't think we've established it, but, like, yeah, he 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 kind of lives in the, he has a van, but he also has this storefront that used to belong to the ice cream man who got shot in his childhood. Right. Um, the, the crazy nurse played by Olivia, is his landlord. Uh, They don't make it clear how she got ownership of the property that just happened to belong to the ice cream man that he used to idolize, you know? Whatever, it doesn't matter. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it really could just be like an it type situation where the whole town has just been infected with whatever's going on. <laughs> like you could have a third act twist and just have like, oh, it was Bob the whole time. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, and by this point, uh, the ice cream man goes full slasher villain. Oh yeah, I, I just to, just to backtrack a little bit, I should mention that he also kills the uh, uh, Tuna's dad with a waffle iron, which was honestly one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, so that he could put his head in a waffle cone. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he he kills the wannabe cop's girlfriend um, by um, stabbing her in the head, and he he gives the line. That's what I call brain freeze. <laughs> and he kills the wannabe cop too. And even though he's one of the kid's brothers, the kid doesn't really, you know, react at all. Yeah. Do we even see that kill? Because I think, doesn't he just come out wearing the brother's clothes? Yeah. It's also off, off screen too. Yeah. He just goes in and pretends to be the brother to trick the girlfriend. And then he, kills her which again you know it's just like i get there it's the it's dark and you're in a movie but clint howard is not he looks nothing like this guy yeah exactly <laughs> this like 18 year old uh like athletic guy and then clint howard like this tiny little <laughs> they, like his just his posture you're like uh have you shrunk like six inches <laughs> So yes, he kills the the girlfriend who, as I mentioned, like she she has basically a nude scene, although it's just in photographs. Uh, and then he chases the children, and then he has, I guess the there's a police detail that was supposed to follow him, and so he has the uh, corpse, like the heads of the two cops that were supposed to follow him, <laughs> and puts on a little puppet show with yeah. them, which I appreciated. Like I, I, know, really, I love that. I like when he gets mad at one of the puppets because it keeps like making wisecracks. <laughs> You're not funny. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was a, a quality scene, uh, and I liked how whoever did the uh, the prosthetics, how like the mouths move a little bit. <laughs> Like, just barely, but enough where you're like, that's weird. Like, how did they make that happen? Where they just have this, you know, paper mache head where the mouth just opens and closes a little bit. Yeah, Clint, Clint Howard talked about that, too. It's like they had to be very, very careful with the heads because a lot of the movie's budget went into them. Yeah, I mean, you can really tell because I'm like, that's not a bad effect, really. No, it wasn't. And in the end, despite, uh, well, I guess, I guess seeing Tuna in danger was the reason, but uh, Small Paul turns on the ice cream man and pushes him into the stretcher type uh, machine yeah. that kills him. Yeah, he causes him to have like a psychic breakdown by uh, like taking the picture of the dead ice cream man and being like, it's me. And he's like, what? You're alive? And then just follow, like stumbles into this like thresher and dies. Yeah. And small Paul, even though it's pretty clear that, you know, he broke out of his brainwashing by the ice cream man, he ends up in an asylum and, you know, it's heavily implied that he's going to grow up just like Clint Howard yes. uh, with, with no clear motive or, coherent psychosis <laughs> yeah the final scene is him looking up and uh looking like macaulay culkin in the good son so it's like oh no he's evil <laughs> yeah so so that's uh that's ice cream man it was supposed to get a crowdfunded sequel which i'm not ashamed to admit that i donated 20 bucks toward uh, but unfortunately, it didn't raise enough money, so um, it's not going to happen. Oh man! Yeah, uh, yeah, and and the title, the subtitle of the movie was going to be "Sunday Bloody Sunday." <laughs> that that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so sadly, but uh, yeah. What did you think of the movie that we had, Chris? Uh, I enjoyed it. You know, um, it's it 
takes a little while to get going. Uh, there is a lot. I uh, Like I mentioned, I watched a kid cop on Amazon Prime a few months ago, and it's better than that movie, uh, which is not high praise, but uh, it, it has similar issues where I'm like, I don't care about all this like family drama, like yeah. padding, uh, especially because it doesn't like, you know, the way you make that not completely irrelevant padding is you make it uh, tie into the story somehow. Yeah. Uh, and the movie just forgot to do that. It forgot to be like, oh, like, you know, I forgive you, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry that I was a bad father. You know, you just have one scene that explains something like that with, you know, a parent who's still alive uh, to try to, like, connect this of like, oh, you know, uh, we, we aren't paying enough attention to our children. Who knows what kind of trouble they can get into? Or, you know, just some stupid crap like that. But I, it was a lot of fun. Clint Howard, uh, you know, he just mugs uh, like every scene he's in. He's just making crazy faces and doing this crazy voice. Uh, so it's a lot of fun with him as this slasher. Um, it, it is, you know, like an it or even like a Twin Peaks, like surreal in a way where you're like, what is this town? Like, what's wrong with everyone? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I enjoyed that. Um, it, it was a, it was a fun time. Yeah, yeah, I, because I, I tell people that one of the reasons why I love B-movies and why I'm doing this podcast is that with B-movies, you don't get formula as often, or if you do get formula, it's in a really skewed, unnatural way. Um, It's, it's, there's, there's rarely something cookie cutter and predictable about it. And you could definitely say that about the ice cream man, which is just like this weird mashup of three ninjas with a slasher movie. Right. (laughs) Except you're supposed to sympathize with the slasher (laughs) villain. Um, It's just so utterly unlike any other movie out there. And I, I'd say that as a compliment. Uh, so I, I would definitely recommend this movie to to be put on the trash can. And would you agree, Chris? I would. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely tell like a studio, you know, for better or worse, studio notes would be like, uh, is he supposed to be sympathetic or not? <laughs> like either make him scary or or make him sympathetic. But like, why are we just wildly swinging back and forth and doing both? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, Clint Howard is clearly having a lot of fun, and I think he he took the role seriously because there actually is some, not, not to say that the scenes are written well, but there actually is kind of something going on with his scenes where he's relating to small Paul and just getting him to sympathize with his worldview. And like the scene where he's at the grave of the dead ice cream man i mean it's actually pretty decent acting so uh so yeah i think i think that not not say that all the acting in the movie is great but um you know it's 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 actually a pretty enjoyable movie if you can get past maybe like the first 15 or so minutes so yeah. And you can tell, you know, there's scenes um I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's scenes where uh I, Clint Howard very clearly has like one line he's supposed to hit and then the rest of us just like, "Oh, just, you know, wing it." And so he j- he'll just say like the same variations of the exact same line like four times. <laughs> and it's like, "Uh, I guess that's fine." So it is fun to just see stuff like that where it's it's not, you know, this like polished uh thing where everybody is uh you know uh, bantering back and forth and is very clever like he's just like says the same thing and when no one reacts to it he's like says it in a slightly different way again yeah. like yeah that is like real life <laughs> yeah it really is all right <laughs> all right chris um why, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find you uh, we've got a podcast uh, called Your Stupid Minds. Uh, it, it's been it's 150 episodes plus strong. You can find us on yourstupidminds.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, most of those services. We also are on Facebook and Twitter. 
Uh, and I assume you're going to plug this for your own show, but if you uh, rate us five stars on iTunes, it's helpful for reasons that I don't understand, uh, but I'm told it's good. Uh, so you can check us out. We've done some of the same episodes that your show has done. Uh, so if you watch uh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii and are like, I need even more Hard Ticket to Hawaii podcasts, uh, why not listen to two? Yes, exactly. Uh, and I am Chad Denton, and you have been listening to Trash Cannon. Uh, be sure to check me out on YouTube under Hollywood Hates History and at the blog Trash Culture on WordPress. All right. Have a good night, everybody. And don't forget, you can't run from the ice cream, man.